Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I am your host, Ken M. Joining me in the studio, as always, it's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk in the land of movies, TV, and comics, so let's just jump right into it, shall we? OchoDuroParleyHour.com is where you can find all the links to our social media accounts. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We are not on Snapchat. I, I, I have to confirm that that is a false rumor going around mm. that apparently some people thought we were, but no, we are not. So if you want to join in our conversation, join in those social media accounts I named and always use the hashtag ODPH. So let's get into it. We are now in a post-crisis universe. Mm-hmm. DC had their big Titanic crossover, Crisis on Infinite Earths, that yep. we covered last week with our good friend Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, which if you're not sub to his YouTube channel, what are you waiting for? P- pause this episode, sub to his YouTube channel, and just jump right back. Or sub to it while you're listening. Either way. Multitask. However you want to do. See, this is why Pat is here. He's got all the infinite wisdom I need. We covered the entire breakdown, and we were going, okay, now what happens to the Arrowverse? Mm-hmm. So this week, as we are recording, we are now living in that post-crisis universe. Mm -hmm. The majority of shows came back. Flash is not back until after the Super Bowl, February 4th. Right, and and after Arrow has its swan song. So my guess is going to be that, much like you saw this week, where I forget which one came first and which one came after in terms of the lineup, but it was Arrow was in one slot, and I can't remember if... Legends was after. Legends was after. Okay, so my guess is that Flash is going to take Arrow's time slot, and Legends is going to stay where it is. Yeah, that, that just makes the most sense to me. Yeah, it definitely would. Well, Arrow is going to be a two-hour finale right, next week. Right. So this week was the preset for everything, that this is now the new world and what lies in tow. Mm-hmm. We are going to be talking spoilers about all the shows and give you our opinions of what we're thinking as they're coming back. But, hey, we're giving you warning, unlike the folks in charge of social medias on the DCCW side did with that Ezra Miller spoiler, because they waited like a day before they started posting that. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. I was like, oh, yeah. At least with, like, the you know, the child in the Mandalorian, you know, Baby Yoda, at least, you know, the social media stuff on that side waited. I can't remember how long it was. It was like at least, it was a minimum of a month. Before they started posting stuff. And I remember seeing pictures. I'm like, oh, I guess we can post about it now. You know, they were like, oh, 24 hours is up. All right, we're posting about it. Yeah, so we're going to just jump right into it in three, two, one. Pad, where would you like to take us on this new Earth Prime trip here? Well, I think the probably the one everyone's kind of most talking about or most anticipating about has got to be Arrow because it was a bit of a switch in terms of what we normally see for Arrow. But... Excuse me, that was because it and you know, this was confirmed but you know, a lot of people speculated based off of the title. The title of the episode was Green Arrow and the Canaries. You know, so people are thinking, Oh, maybe it's a soft uh pilot for uh, a backdoor pilot for a spinoff series and you know, Greg Berlanti confirmed that as much in his interview with Entertainment Weekly that came out, you know, after the crisis crossover was all said and done. You know, so that I think that's where we got to start because that's kind of the most interesting thing. That's kind of like the biggest question mark we have with this because and I got to admit I did not realize this until I was reading that article. You know, Oliver's daughter was missing from the latter half of that crossover. 
Yeah, this was something that we didn't realize because there were so many characters involved. It, it, it's much like, you know, Avengers or excuse me, Captain America Civil War or Infinity War or Endgame that you just have so many moving pieces and so many, you know, pieces on your chessboard. That it's understandable to forget some of them. Right. But as we jump in, Arrow this week was the only show that did a real time jump ahead mm-hmm. that the other shows seem to be in what we'll call present time. Yep. Arrow jumped ahead to 20. 40. Mm-hmm. So 20 years after Crisis. Yep. And a lot has changed. And as the show opens up, we see a familiar face yep. in one Katie Cassidy, a.k.a. Black Siren. Yep. Who is Whichever version of it it is. Yeah, because we still don't know. I think it's the Earth 2 version because she made a line during the episode when I think she was talking to Dinah. Mm-hmm. And don't ask me to re- repeat the quote because I can't remember, but she made a reference to her and and she said something to the effect of you know blah 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 whatever 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 my earth yeah that i don't think it's earth prime you know oliver's you know laurel come back to life as a lot of people might have speculated i think it's you know because much like we'll get into a minute with dinah that version of laurel is needed for some reason and she's here for a very specific reason because her earth is gone yeah you know whatever earth 2 is now if there is even an earth 2 well, it ain't her Earth. Well, technically there is because at the end of Crisis, they did show that Stargirl and the JSA is technically Earth 2. Oh, that's right. So, but it's a weird concept. Right. That obviously, and if you've ever read Crisis, you understand this completely. Things, you almost need to be like the Charlie Day meme from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where like he's connecting the dots. Yeah, it's one of those things because it, it, it's the two sides of the same coin, but it's different. Mm-hmm. So, as we're going to say, uh, Black Siren is from the Earth 2 pre-crisis. Or at least that's what we're going to go with until they say otherwise. Exactly. And she's trying to tra- chase down a socialite with the last name of Bertinelli. Right. And she's in the future for some reason. Right. Which hasn't technically been clarified right. at I mean, this stage. We know why she's there for this episode. That's explained in the episode. But why here? Why you? Why now? Right. As... The series is going to possibly progress because, like we say, as we are recording, we did not hear it got picked up for a full season. Right. As the story goes on, we see that Dinah is trying to chase after the Bertinelli socialite. Now, if you know the name, it is obviously tied to the Huntress mm-hmm. and that history of that character yep. to a degree. But yep. they, they kind of dipped and dabbed with it. They didn't go fully into the Huntress territory with this. But as we see that Black Siren is unable to save this girl from her kidnappers well yeah she she tracks her down to uh, you know this nightclub dance club and she tells her you need to come you know you know the arnold schwarzenegger come with me if you want to live yeah i mean she's like uh you know expletive please and walks away from her and ends up getting kidnapped and you know laurel almost goes god dang it yeah so at this stage she's kind of walking around the earth that is there and we do see flashes though of mia smoke Mm-hmm. That she is now living the Oliver life, which is yeah odd to see. And and we gotta say, you know, this is 2040. We had seen 2040, you know, Star City in in past episodes, especially the flash forwards, and you know, last season and this season. Uh, gotta say, the post crisis 2040 Star City looks real nice. It looks nice. It looks and, real nice. And, and honestly, for a second, I was like, did they really jump ahead? It's kind of like that Jetson syndrome. Like when mm. you think it's 2040, yeah. you should be seeing flying cars and all that. Jazz. Yeah. It looked like everything was still the same. Yeah. So what happened? Well, that's the question we're going to be mm-hmm. finding out. But as we see, Mia now has gone on to 
become a socialite, mm-hmm. much like how Oliver was. And she's graduating, so she doesn't know what she's going to do with her life. She now has a fiance. Yeah. One JJ, mm-hmm. who we knew from the flash forwards as the heir to the death stroke throne. Yeah, the guy, you know, pre crisis, he was putting on the death stroke mask and killed a few people that she loved. Yeah. So, Shocker. so at this stage, things are very different, and nobody remembers exactly what's going on. So mm-hmm. she's living the Oliver life. She is having a party to celebrate. Yep. And this is where she runs into her brother William. And Wild Dog's daughter, who is alive at this stage, mm-hmm. that she wasn't killed off like she originally was. A lot of stuff's different. A lot of stuff is different. And the one of the big takeaways, which I think is going to be a haunting element throughout the season, mm-hmm. is Connor. Yeah. Uh, the adopted son of, of Diggle, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, yeah. is having issues with rehab. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by this is, if you know the comics of Green Arrow, you know that Roy Harper has had a long-standing addiction issue. Right. I wonder if they're going to do that vicariously through Connor. Say that. I can I can see that happening. You know, much like you see with the Walking Dead stuff, where yeah, certain characters aren't around at this at this point in time, at whatever point in time that the show is existing in. So they take whatever major storyline and put it onto another character. I can see them doing much of the same thing. That okay, you're not going to see Roy Harper on this. You know, who knows where he is? You know, mm-hmm. even if he survived crisis you know so it, it does seem to be that connor is taking that role of having an addiction problem right so as we're seeing black siren is now crashing this event because she's walking around the earth and, and sees mia and decides to give her how do we define this the truth serum we'll say the, the, the portable martian manhunter serum yeah which we find out that martian manhunter has now come up with a way to give everybody their memories back and he doesn't have to do it. I, well, see, I don't know if it's he came up with a way. Like, obviously, he... he well, you it's know, him, Cisco, the well, brain trust of I, you know, you know, I can't, Team Flash. I don't, I don't know if they really fully explain that. Like, okay, we know Martian Manhunter knows how to restore people's memories. We saw that at the end of the Crisis crossover. Mm. But then, you know, she kind of just jumps into Cisco came up with a way to portal... You know, so I'm not entirely sure John had anything to do with this other than maybe some input. Because it sounds like... It, she made it sound like it was all Cisco. Yeah, she made it sound like it was all Cisco, but I think it was just the, the brain trust of Team Flash that I think that we're going to see when Flash comes back, yeah. how they're all working together now. Yeah. So I, I think that's going to tie into there. So now that Black Siren has gotten Mia on board to go track down the socialite, she already grabbed Dinah, mm-hmm. which you alluded to a, a little bit a while ago, that Dinah is now in the future, mm-hmm. and she... She has, doesn't exist. She doesn't exist. So she is a ghost, mm-hmm. which is a weird thing that she's owning a bar and she's just fading into like non-existence. I think somewhere in a parallel universe, Black Widow's a little envious. Yeah, it, it's a really interesting talk about, thing. Talk about wiping your ledger. Yeah, exactly. So she's completely clean, but she still has all her memories, which I, I, I'm i like, okay, well, yeah. I, I guess I get it. But she doesn't know how she got there. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know why she's there. Yeah. But she's maintaining. She's just going through the motions. Yeah. She's maintaining an attitude of, well, I'm here. I need to figure out my purpose. And she doesn't have one at this point. She's almost right. like, a, you know, just the woe is me. So when she runs into the Black Siren, it's like now there's something to bring me back. And it looks like right. the, she's completely healed and has her powers back yep. from where she, we last saw her in Arrow. So they now start teaming up. And this is where the episode, for me, it got to be a little telegraph. Like, all of a sudden, everybody got back together. Mia got her memories back of pre-crisis. Yep. Which definitely threw her for a loop. Oh, a little bit. And thus created a lot of tension with JJ. And as they're doing the whole secret spy tactic. Yeah. When they go into the Bertinelli house and they're yeah. playing tracers. And yeah. It seemed very telegraphed to me. Like, I, like it just very easy, very cut and dry for especially... Yeah. 
just coming back into it. And at this point, Mia doesn't want the, the mantle of Green Arrow. She's well, no, she doesn't. And you got to figure that you know, to this point, yeah, we know you know her pre-crisis history, but at this point in time, she doesn't. So in her head, there isn't you know the however old she is, years of memories plus pre-crisis. It's like oh shit, you know she's been living her life for twenty plus years, however old she is, and it just got upended that hey. Yeah, that all happened, but there's so much more that also happened that we're now going to throw on to you. And oh, by the way, it's not the case that you don't know your dad and you never met your dad. No, you got to meet him and you got to watch him die. Yeah. So there's a lot of emotional toll going on her, which I thought she had the most going on this episode. Yeah. And for me, I drew a lot of parallels to the first episode of Arrow. Mm, Yeah. That the fish out of water, so to speak, and now having a new mission per se. Yeah. I saw a lot of similarities in there. I, I got to say, I did love the interaction between me and JJ, especially after things fell apart and we got to take some space. And, and JJ goes, you know, ever since the party, you've been looking at me like you don't recognize me anymore. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that. Exactly. And I thought that that was like really rushed because then as they go on and they start getting spaces because Mia tries breaking into his computer. Yeah. Because suddenly there's now dissension in the ranks mm-hmm. and they're really trying to track down. And they're searching all of the socialites' friends right. and the family, and they get wind of something is going on, yep. and they wind up doing a very cool action sequence yeah. where they stop a Vertigo shipment, yep. which I thought is very interesting. Fun callback. Fun callback. And we do see a character wearing a Deathstroke mask. Yep. Now, later on in the episode, it's explained technically who it is. I ain't believing it. But I don't believe it either. Like, I thought that was too easy Mm -hmm. and especially out the gate so at this stage they're now catching clues on where to go find the socialite and where they can go and really like they're slowly forming a team and they're really talking mia into accepting this is what happened right so you need to embrace your mantle of being green arrow right and one thing i thought was was very very interesting was Black Siren is being the voice of reason. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought that was coming? Well, I mean, listen, you talk about, you know, people who have been through a lot and a huge character arc. You know, she's absolutely one of them. And she laid it out, you know, for Mia that, you know, everything she's been through, you know, including, you know, being a criminal and helping, you know, crime syndicates and then, you know, turning over a new leaf and trying to do the right thing. And I mean, you brought up dissension in the ranks. I think that just speaks to how much of an anchor Oliver was for everybody. I mean, you think back to when the teams teams split up and it was team arrow and then team rookies, Yeah, you know, and just how fish out of water they were just kind of, you know, bulls in a China shop. Use your analogy. They Mm -hmm. were. And just, I think it just speaks to, you know, none of them are used to being in that leader role. They're, they're all absolutely used to the, Hey, here's this, get it done. You know, but they're they're not used to that added thing of like, okay, that's fine, but like, there's more to it than that, right? So at this stage, I mean, they they just have so much going on, especially with Black Siren doing the pep talk, and it's weird to see her step up in that role. So I mean, that's why we're saying we don't think it's the same Black Siren that we knew pre crisis. Mm -hmm. I'm almost wondering if they merged her with the past Laurel. Mm, That could be in a sense, like I mean, you reboot the entire timeline. I know Laurel was killed off in Arrow, but is it possible? Comics, reasons. Time travel. Anything could happen. Universe travel. Because at this time, they do get the image of Bianca. That's the socialite's name, and I was blanking on it, who is the daughter of Helena, but they don't touch upon the Huntress background. They, right. they leave that ball alone. That she allegedly 
is in, I believe, Bali mm-hmm. somewhere. She's posting an Instagram. Would have been funnier if it was Tahiti because, hey, it's a magical place. Oh, that would have been that would have been epic. Just to see the reaction on the net would have been like, wait, crossover? <laughs> but, Hello, Clark Gregg. But at this point, they analyze where the video is and they find it that it is doctored. That, that to me almost seemed a little too easy. That was too – yeah, that's what I said. It was telegraphed. It was like, yeah. oh, well, here it is. Well, if, it, if it was uh, – Felicity, I would have been like, or even uh, Mr. William, William, or even Mister Terrific, I would have been like, okay, I I get this, you know, the tech savvy, the smart guys, you know, the smart folks in the room, but you know, for Diana, like, okay, I get you were a police officer and former police commissioner and this and that, but this just seemed a little too too easy. See, the only thing I thought about with this, but I I do agree, it was telegraphed and you like you could see like, oh, everything was just neatly tied up with a bow. I'm wondering if her mysterious mission is she. Maybe has somebody else's memories in her, mm, maybe. and that she has that ability because it just seemed very easy to f- to decipher. Okay, this message is fake. Mm-hmm. This is how it's fake. We can track it down, and then for me to jump up and say, "Well, I took these classes in college, so I know where this is." Da-da-da. Yeah, like yeah. Okay, I get it. Not not the angriest about it, but I was like, "Okay, this is very very telegraphed." Mm-hmm. And as they show up, they have a great fight scene at this warehouse where. Uh, Bianca is captured, and interestingly enough, uh, the the canaries cannot use their powers because of what is what do they call it a, a meta damp- dampener? Yep, or something like that. You know, essentially there was a device in there that uh, forbade them from using their powers. So all fists, yeah. So it's all fists, all great choreographed action, and especially when they do find out that the reveal of Bianca's ex boyfriend. Trevor is mm-hmm. allegedly Deathstroke, which I don't believe for a second. That, no. That just seemed way too easy, especially he refers to that he's working for a she mm-hmm. that they haven't announced and then decides to try blowing up the building that yep. he's in. Yep. And they do this very cool escape from the rooftop, badass buildings explosion. All of was, all was missing was the, you know, the old school arrow theme. Yeah, exactly. But they wind up saving the day, saving Bianca, and then establishing, well, there's more to be had. Because the whole deal with Bianca is her death is what triggers the downfall of Star City. Mm -hmm. Now, they save the day, but still Dinah and Laurel have this paper clipping. It's almost like Flash. Yeah, I I had that same thought when I saw it. Yeah, which I was going, okay interesting that how does Dinah have right and and we should note that you know the fall of star city because up to this point you know ever since you know the timeline got reset 2020 there has been and i sorry i find this hard to believe you know there's been a 20-year piece in star city that no major crime has happened in 20 years and i go okay not believing that for a second right so at this stage they're building the slow mystery they're now deciding to set up shop in Dinah's luxurious Apartment. Don't say for owning a bar, she's making out very well for herself. She is making some Ooh. coin. Looks like, but clearly, I'm in the wrong uh, field of work. But where it, re- it reminded me was the uh, watchtower that Oracle used to be in. Yeah, I had that thought like, too. Like that was the thing. I was like, this looks very familiar, but we can't say birds of prey, right? But they did refer. I forget what they called it. They what, what did they say? Clock tower? Yeah, or they something. Said they, they said something that like I immediately like. All right, birds of prey. This is going to be their their hangout. Their their fallout shelter, whatever you call it. Yeah, their headquarters. And that's why I was sitting there going like, okay, just call it Birds of Prey and get it over with. I understand yeah. there's a movie. Listen, it's okay. We can say it. And to close out the episode, you had Mia and William go to visit the grave of Oliver. And they're remembering that on the totem that has been handed down since Leanne Yu, yeah. there is this symbol on there that 
Mia remembers from Trevor's arm. Uh-huh. And what is this mysterious tattoo? Yep. But while she's remembering this, she's drugged and William is kidnapped. Uh-huh. So now questions galore and the episode closes too. I almost forgot about this where somebody uh-huh. gives JJ back his memories. Uh-huh. So now somebody is running around the future finding quote unquote villains. Yep. To infect and bring let back me, to the dark side. Let me throw this out since timeline got reset. Earth got reset. What if it's a reverse flash? Uh, that could be. Uh, that'd um, be something he would do. It would be something he could do. I almost thought for a second, and maybe I'm just holding out hope. Okay. Manu Bennett. Mm. I don't know how he would. He'd have to be paid off by somebody, but he follows his contract and... If he wants to bring back the death strokes, maybe, maybe. I, I like maybe. I said, I'm, hold, I'm just It'd holding. Cool. Out, I'm just holding out hope. Manu comes back because I think Manu versus Mia would be a hell of a fight. Mm-hmm. So all in all, Green Arrow and the Canaries was, interesting was interesting. I like I said, I thought they telegraphed a lot. Like it just seemed too easy and too yeah too familiar yeah that it was just like okay i think i've seen this before and like i say it combined in a lot of elements from the first episode of arrow Mm -hmm. ever and elements of flash like it just it had too much going on that it was like i've seen this before yeah and i can't help but wonder you know if this does get picked up for full series because like we said to this point as we recorded has not i wonder if they're gonna stay in 2040 or if they're gonna time jump around a little bit i have to say they have to stay in 2040 okay I think because of Legends, because if one show is going to time jump, it's going to be Legends. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing them come back because you have to figure, well, Dinah has to come back at some point. Right. Unless it's explained, and I know this is going to sound weird, that she's wiped away from everybody's memories. Right. And well, and it's funny, too. You know, I was all excited for the Arrowverse after Crisis because, oh, this meant we wouldn't have to go through any hoops or shenanigans to get them to team up again. And well, here and again, if they stay in 2040, they're going to have to jump through hoops and shenanigans again to team up. To team up. Yeah. Like, I, there, there's a lot of questions with this series. Do after seeing this, do you think it should be picked up for a full season? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, give it a chance. You know, I was interested to see where it goes to to see what it was about, and I'm interested to see what they do with it. I think you can take it in some definitely some very interesting directions that you know you might not have been able to do with Arrow, and definitely you know you've got the you got enough space between what took place in Arrow and now this show if it stays in 2040 that I think, especially with it being in the future, I think you can do some very interesting things. Yeah, I think you can definitely give it a shot. I, I think that they've tried worse shows on the CW yeah. and let them go longer. Yeah. I think this one has potential. We do know that there's still a fan base. What I'd like to see, though, is I want to see this be different than Arrow. If you're going to be in the future, really take some dramatic changes. Mm-hmm. Really do something out of left field that is not feeling cookie cutter. Because I feel that you're going to have that. And I don't want to see that. I want to see something different on there. Because going with the other shows, mm-hmm. we talk about, flip the coin to Legends. Sure. Legends was Legends. Nothing <laughs> changed there. It was it was good. It was an amazing episode inside of like 10 minutes. Yeah. Inside of 10 minutes, you got back to normal, like American Doctor Who. I said it before I say You know, they, they went to the first commercial break and I was already sold on the episode. You know, oh, hey, we're doing a documentary about the Legends so that we can keep our funding. And, and then, oh, hey, we got to travel back to... And the instant they said where the anomaly was and where they were going to go, I instantly went, oh, crap, this isn't good. They went to 1917 Russia, which is in the middle, you know, 
in the middle of the czar and in, in right before the red revolution, you know, the uh, Russian revolution and in the rise of Soviet Russia. So I knew what was coming. And then you see Rasputin kick out of his coffin. I'm like, oh, this episode's already amazing. Yeah, no, it was a good comeback for him. But like I say, it didn't really feel like crisis affected him. It just kind of seemed like we just went back to stat quo. Well, because the thing of it was, was half of the team wasn't on the yeah, crossover. I mean, yeah, crisis affected it because... You know, you had uh, Sarah being uh, brooding and moping a little bit, which understandably so. Oh, absolutely. Uh, understandably so. But, you know, Brandon was kind of, you know, Brandon Ralph was kind of like, oh, yeah, it was a thing. You know, I was there. Cool. You know, but for in, in Mick was kind of like, oh, just give me alcohol, you know, but that's the thing is it didn't feel like crisis affected it because three quarters of the team wasn't there. Right. But you figure that it would affect them in some degree. And, and we've heard that. <laughs> Legends is supposed to be directly affected by it, mm-hmm. so I was going and expecting a lot more from this. Albeit, I wasn't disappointed with this episode, right? And I and I imagine it will directly affect it more as we go down the episode down down the season because of the thing they dealt with right now is hey, they said in the episode, hey, we br- kind of broke time a little bit right here. Yeah, but I think where the telling tale is going to be is Constantine. Yeah, I I think that his little trip to hell mm-hmm. is going to come back and haunt the team. I don't know how. I don't know if he brings back Neuron. I don't know where they're going to go with this. Yeah. But I think that that's going to be the driving point for the season. That I think that now you have Rasputin coming back from the dead. Which was amazing. Which was amazing. And I mean, like I say, it was, it was typical legend. So you know what you're getting from them. You're getting a lot of humor with a lot of drama mixed in. Yeah. And the one thing I did like, though, mm-hmm. is they're slowly starting to thin the team out. Yeah. Nora is gone. She's going to become the book writer. Yep. I think that that's a good move. Just yeah. the the less characters you have on a team, the more you can focus on each individual. Mm-hmm. And I think to get Heat Wave back to Heat Wave, granted, you know, being the romance novelist, I think is hysterical. The multi time New York bestselling time uh, best bestselling author. Yeah, writer. I I think that's hysterical. Oh my god, it's amazing. Yeah, but to have him go back to being Heat Wave and being the guy with the one liners and just focus on that. I think is good with Brandon Roth. We do know that he's leaving as yep. Roy Palmer yep. at some point. That maybe this is going to tie into where Nora is being what the the good witch of the North or something like that. Whatever her new title is, she uh, she's a fairy godmother. Yeah, like so. Whatever is going on there, and then for Sarah, she was the only one, and obviously completely affected by the death of Oliver. So where oh god, did, that scene where she essentially bared her soul to the entire team. Like, listen. I didn't want you guys to not talk to me about it. I need to talk about it. Yeah, and that's the first time we've seen her break down in front of that team. Uh-huh. She never has. She's always been the captain. Yeah. So to see her finally show some emotion outside of, you know, her little interaction with Ava, that was really something. And yeah. I mean, that just goes back to the heart of Legends that they can flip it to be in the very corny, very hokey yeah. Uh, you know, joking around the entire time, and then they can hit you with an emotional kick in the jaw mm-hmm. that, you know, it's like a super kick. They just bam and nail you. Yeah. And the one thing I thought was very cool, too, of this episode, mm-hmm. that Nate is struggling to remember yeah. Zari, and then Zari wound up breaking through the timeline. Somehow. Somehow. All on board with that. Yeah. That I think, okay, that would be a, a good addition to bring back. But like I say, I think they need to trim down the team, though. Yeah. That, that's or, or even just have him leave for a little bit, and if they need to bring him in for an episode, because, hey, your skill set would be particularly useful here. Yeah. You know, bring him in for an episode. Yeah, that's all you really kind of need to do with this. I mean, honestly, other than that, this episode was typical Legends. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing. No. I mean, didn't really move the needle for me, per se. But the usual humor. It was, it was good, you know. 
Sarah's doing the confessional with the documentary documentary team, and she gets the drawing of her uh, Laurel and Oliver all in their costumes, all sitting at a table. And she goes, "Oh, thanks. I love this much more than a sympathy card." And Ava comes walking in the background with a, a sympathy card. Here's her say that, and the look on her face was just, "Oh crap, I messed up. Time to leave." Yeah. And then she read the sympathy card, and even I'm like, I, I realize, haven't written a lot of sympathy cards in my day. Even I knew that sympathy card was bad. Well, I mean, Ava's a clone, so it's like, yeah, well, that's you, true. You, you have to factor in. There's so much going on with that cast. That's true. That you know something's gonna fall through the cracks. But it was a good episode, nevertheless. Yeah. Not really affected by crisis yet, but I think there's gonna be some underlying tones. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, and especially uh, maybe to touch upon something you mentioned about certain characters coming back from the dead mm. and coming back from yeah. you know a very very dark place. That might be where Reverse Flash comes back. Could be. Could be, you know, Damien Dark. I mean, there's so many different characters they bring back that opens the gates now. I mean, since you had a certain monkey uh, get teased at the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths, maybe we'll see their version of the League of Doom. Uh, I'd be okay with that. I mean, you've got a Lex. You've got a Gorilla Grodd. You know, you've you've got enough working pieces that you... I mean, I realize it wouldn't be the one maybe people traditionally no but no. You, you could pull it off you could definitely pull it off it would just be i think to do that they would do that for the big crossover right no yeah that's what i'm saying yeah for legends i mean they did do the legion of doom to a degree when, yeah. it, when it was dark well, I'm, ta- I'm talking full-blown legion of doom like you know base in the swamp type thing I'd be fully on board with that. You've I, got enough working pieces and all one universe now. You know, that that brings up something, because if we can jump to Supergirl. Sure. The transformation of Brainiac 5 mm-hmm. maybe would play into that. Could be. Because I, I will admit, I was not a fan of this episode. Right. That for me, uh, like, I understand Lex is back and John Cryer is killing it on the road. Mm-hmm. Absolutely killing it. But everything else really about this episode just did not do anything. Yeah, I mean, it was all right. I mean, the only thing I really kind of got out of it that was really interesting to me was, you know, they had the explanation that, you know, the bulk of humanity can't be given their memories from pre-crisis because their brains will literally melt. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that explains that. Yeah, but as we get back, the DEO is now ran by Lex. And he is hamming it up, and it it, it almost had like a young blood feel to it. And mm. I know you haven't read that comic. It, it's when your heroes are basically uh, celebrities, okay. And you can see Lex is hamming it up that he wants to be the face of the DEO, and yeah, you know, this is what we're gonna do, and you know, like and like I said, John Cryer absolutely kills it in, in in this role. But for the rest of it, it was like. Th- the wormholes and the clones of Brainiac 5. And, like, I was talking with Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming about this, and we're like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. And it just got to be a mess. And essentially, like, the only thing I could say is, like, a real takeaway from this is it appears that Brainiac has been affected Mm -hmm. and infected, should I say, that he's now, you know, finding out about his history mm-hmm. and the different, you know, capabilities that he has, that he's not just the comic relief. Sure. Well, and that, that does seem to be the trend. I mean, with what we've talked about, you look at Arrow, you know, not everything's okay. Dinah, you know, out of place, t- 
technically doesn't exist. Uh, back on Legends of Tomorrow, you had uh, the computer. I forget the, the computer's name at the moment. But, you know, you had, what do they call it, phantom information? Mm-hmm. Or what, basically, it, it was remembering all that had happened pre-crisis and it was really screwing with the system. Yeah. And now you you look at what's going on here with Supergirl and just kind of, you know, the mess that's creating with Brainiac 5. It, it seems to be that, hey, <laughs> something bigger is going on here. It definitely is, and I like that they really brought him back more so towards the comic version than we know. Sure. Because in the comics, he's not that funny. He is pretty much the cold calculator of the events, and Mm -hmm. you you really kind of saw that. I mean, obviously, when you saw the green skin, that is Brainiac in the comics, and the the costume definitely started resembling it. Yeah. Uh, The the version you've seen, most familiar with Legion of Superheroes. So I did like the change of pace. I mean, obviously, they they did the little drama where he breaks up with Dreamer, and where they're going to go from here, I mean, honestly... For the most part, the the show just was kind of a mess. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like, I I get it that they are trying to tie in, build in like okay, this is what's going on after Crisis, but it just kind of seemed like this was a filler episode. Yeah, a little like, bit. Like it didn't really have like a kickoff point unless you really want to jump into Lex talking about Leviathan, right? And that coming back, which I mean, it did wrap up in the comics. Uh kind of let down on how it did like, yeah like I, I was expecting more from it but yeah but to see where they're going to go with it on the show i think could be a strong suit especially if this is going to roll out the superman and lois show right which i fully suspect it is could be i mean you, you can't have super superman not be mentioned at some point especially you got lex going on here mm-hmm. would this be a build-up to that i mean i don't know i mean there's there's gonna be a lot going on with it and like I say, the the villains coming back for this was just everybody you know that was involved in the different timelines. Like I don't like it was just kind of like a mess for me. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see what happens next week. And going into the other shows, I mean, Batwoman. Batwoman has gotten better. Yeah, I will admit, Batwoman has definitely gotten better. Well, and and it appears that Batwoman is probably the least affected by Crisis. But Aaron, that makes sense because. It just started. Yeah, it just started, but it was a solid episode, though, nonetheless. Yeah. I mean, that is basically how they're taking this. Like, yeah, sure, Kate Kane is affected by crisis. Oh, yeah, of course. But she isn't, like, overwhelmed at, like, what's going on. It just kind of really seemed more or less back to basics. Like, mm-hmm. crisis happened, sure, but... Which is very much a Bruce Wayne thing to do. Yeah, which I, I completely get, and I'm, I'm like, more than fine with this. Yeah. So where they're going to wind up going with it, like I say, it was a solid episode to come back to. Yeah. Um, you know, going to be a lot to work with for, throughout the season. And, you know, obviously uh, bringing in the new villain of what, Terrier? Uh, I, yeah. I believe was was the, what, the hacker there? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, which, I mean, for what we see going on with, um, you know, Batwoman, we don't need to have like a super bat villain every time. No. And if they want to do something like that, which is, you know, just a simple villain that's like a computer hacker and see what happens. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Not the end of the world. Well, like, and look at the run they just did in the comics where Bane took over Gotham City. You know, they didn't come out the gate with Bane running Gotham City. Like, no. They built up to it. I think that's where Batman and, you know, his rogues, well, not his rogues, his family, you know, Batwoman included, work best is you build up to these events, these, you know, big villains that, you know, you don't just come out the gate and, oh, hey, we're instantly fighting Joker and Mr. Freeze here. Like, no, you're building up to it. They're, you know, these villains are more meticulous than that. Yeah. 
So, obviously, though, they're still building the underlying theory with Alice being involved, and they're keeping a lot of stuff tied to the comics. And, yeah. And just, like, where they're going with it. Like I say, it wasn't the worst episode. Uh, definitely, it the show has gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. That now it's kind of gotten yeah. away from the Batman shadow, yeah. Oh, per yeah. se. Yeah. And kind of doing a little more what they do in the comics. So, you know, all in all, it, I'd say it was probably my third favorite show of the week. Yeah. Like I will say, I, I was really... Seeing where they're going with it, and plus, like I say, I love the actress who plays Alice. Mm-hmm. That I think that she's really, you know, stepping up into that role. That we don't need another Joker, but she's carving her own. Could be Batwoman's Joker. Yeah, which I mean, they do a heck of a job in the comics with it. So is anything you know really off limits with that? Yeah, it's, who knows? Yeah, it's hard to say. But all in all, though, DC had a strong week at the shows. Yeah. I didn't catch Black Lightning. No, neither did I. So I don't want to talk about that because I didn't get a chance to catch up on that show. But for the four that we saw come back in, Mm -hmm. I would say Arrow was probably my second favorite show. Mm -hmm. I thought Legends was Legends. And and like I say, it's consistency. with Yeah. That I I thought that they really held on to what makes Legends. And especially for, like you touched upon, it wasn't showing a lot of you know, connection to the crisis, but it was a good episode nevertheless. And usually there's a a little, you know, Easter egg that we got to go dig through and find. I think it's Constantine. I I don't know what exactly, but it's going to be something. And then, like I say, Arrow, I thought was probably the second best episode. Just a lot of it was telegraphed. That was was my only kind of knock about it. Third was Batwoman. Obviously, I, like I say, I think they're really doing some complex things there and it's getting better. And like I said, the Terrier storyline, yeah, sure, it's kind of something different, but I'm okay with it. And I think that it really is carving its own niche, which I think that they need to do, especially getting mm-hmm. away from Batman. Yeah. And then Supergirl, I just, the only thing I said I liked about was uh, Brainiac at the end was finally looking like Brainiac 5. Right. Other than that, it just didn't really move the needle per se, except they are teasing Leviathan again, mm-hmm. so we'll kind of go and see from there. No, yeah, I mean, I've got the same ranking as you do. You know, Legends, you had me laughing hysterically, and I was sold on the episode, like I said, by the first commercial break when you saw Rasputin and they were, in, you know, they were in Imperial Russia right before the revolution, so I was already sold. You know, Arrow was very good. It was very interesting. I, I want to see where that they go with that whole concept, of, you know, in the future, you know, Green Arrow and the Canaries. I hope it gets picked up for another for a full season, you know, and then Batwoman definitely, like you said, you know, rough start, but once she, you know, stepped out of the mantle of Bruce Wayne and Batman and kind of, she's carving her own niche. It's been great. And I've had issues with Supergirl for years and it's nothing against Melissa Benoist or anybody on the show. It's just something with the writing just doesn't connect with me. Yeah. Well, it's something they're going to kind of have to find their niche with, but it's not to say it's all the realm of thought, but you know, for being the first week back after crisis, not necessarily a home run, but not exactly a strikeout either. Let's say it's a uh, ground rule double. Yeah, I'd say ground rule double, but they got a lot of work to do. Flash, obviously. Don't know. We don't know yet. That's still a couple weeks away. And then next week is the big Arrow two-hour season finale. Yep. So a lot to watch for next week. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your favorite CW show of the week? What stood out? What didn't? And why? We definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello there. Do you like movies but feel overwhelmed by the avalanche of titles available every week in the theaters and on streaming services? Do you struggle with justifying the increasing cost of movies at the theater or whether to pick up another streaming service? Well, I have a resource for you. One Movie Punch. Your movie review podcast for currently playing newly streaming classic and cult movies. One movie per day, every day. 
We track the theaters, streaming services, and the occasional physical release to find the best movies currently available. We watch every film, then distill it into a short three to five minute review and publish a daily podcast. And now with year two, we've gone spoiler free for all movies within the last three years and bringing on a team of reviewers with brand new perspectives and selections. Want more information? Head over to www.onemoviepunch.com to subscribe to the daily podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Movie Punch and Facebook at www.facebook.com slash One Movie Punch. We'll see you there. This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And, Pad, mm-hmm. I am trying to contain your excitement about bah! this because there was a trailer that dropped. Yep. And it wasn't for a movie. It was for a TV show. Yep. An animated TV show. One of the best of all time. That the minute this dropped, Coach Duffy chimed in. I chimed in. Pad, where are you? Mm-hmm. And he was like, I need to process this. Yep. I'll have my thoughts ready. Yep. For the show. Yep. Pad, what did we watch? Uh, we got a trailer for the seventh and final season of Star Wars The Clone Wars coming February 21st to Disney+. Plus. Now, we are going to be talking spoilers, so if you don't want to be spoiled by our talk, we have given you fair warning. So in three, two, one... Pad, what did you think? I thought the trailer looked absolutely amazing. Uh, I think it essentially fully confirmed that this movie is going to back right up against and into Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, uh, and that it's going to be very dark. Now, to anybody that's just jumping into the Clone Wars mm-hmm. TV show, yep, how would you describe it? Uh, the clone, so the Clone Wars TV series is a you know currently six, soon to be seven uh, season series that takes place in between uh, the films Episode Two, Revenge of the Sith, and Episode Three or excuse me, episode two, Attack of the Clones, and episode three, Revenge of the Sith. And, you know, it fills in the gaps. And I would say to anyone that has any issue with how quickly Anakin falls to the dark side and just how it's like, oh, snap of a finger, and he's already, he's instantly evil. And you don't really like it. I would say go watch this series. It fills in a lot of holes. It is canon. It does count to the story. So stuff that happens here matters to the overall story and what happens with the galaxy. And, and it, like it said in the trailer, it's one of you know the most groundbreaking series to have come out this century, because you know. And I was thinking about this, you know, after the trailer came out, that you know, the film came out back in August of uh, two thousand and eight, and the series came, you know, the first episode debuted or the first episode uh, premiered on October third, two thousand eight, so a couple months after the movie. I can't remember back during that time another series, you know, animated series on television that looked like this in terms of like the 3D and like hyper 3D and looking real interesting. There's definitely some stuff nowadays that like you see it more often than not, especially, you know, a lot of the kids stuff. Mm. But for its time, it was very unique in how it looked. Yeah. You know, and I like I said, I highly recommend it. I mean, it's, it's a great series. It's some of the best storytelling for Star Wars they've ever had done. And especially, too, coming off the movies that the animated series, we didn't know it was going to be a hit or not. Right, and that, and that was the whole thing is, you know, the movie came out, it was by this unknown director, Dave Filoni, who, like, prior to this, the only real experience or any noteworthy thing he'd done was a couple episodes on season one of Avatar The Last Airbender on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I remember going to see the movie and, and enjoying the movie. It, it, admittedly, it's not a great movie. It's it's essentially three episodes of this of what, you know, 
three up TV episodes mashed into one movie. You know, they never aired on TV, but you know, you could very clearly tell that, okay, these were meant for television. And they just kind of put them together in, and, and because that's the way a lot of the storytelling with the series works is that it's arcs. Yeah. You know, it, it's, you know, you have three episodes here that are all connected and then you jump to another one that might be four and you jump to another one. It might be two, you know, but it, you come off of the, you know, you go to IMDb, the IMDb, the movie has a 5.9 out of 10 rating. You know, it's got a 35 uh, score from Metacritic. You know, the movie, and, and I remember, and it like really caught, really remember it, you know, this movie and the announcement of it really causing waves because you've got to remember when this came out, 2008. This is three years after uh, Revenge of the Sith had come out. So at this point, we didn't know about any, you know, sequel trilogy. There was, you know, no video games, real major video games coming. You had Force Unleashed 1 and 2 had, you know, come out, were coming out. But there was no further movies coming out. So it was kind of like, hey, we're getting something new for Star Wars. What's this going to be? And the trailer comes out for the film, and hey, surprise, for the first time in, you know, however many years, Anakin's got a Padawan. He's got he's got somebody he's teaching, and everyone's like, wait, what? Yeah. You know, it kind of really turned things on its head. And it took it from, and I remember a lot of articles, especially, I think there was one in USA Today, or it was a major publication, that, you know, kind of alluded that, oh, hey, we all know Anakin and Padme are married, but what if there's a love triangle with this new character? And I'm like, stop, please. Well, I mean, that's something. When they try to introduce new elements to the story, people are going to run with yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, that's to be expected. Yeah, but, I mean, you go from the, the very simple plot of the, of the movie where, you know, Jabba's son has been kidnapped. He needs the Jedi's help to find him. And that's to this whole baby Jabba thing that was online the other day. <laughs> it's already been done. Watch the Clone Wars film. His name is Stinky, and he was not cute. All I'm going to say. But, you know, you go from the film, which, you know, not the greatest, but still enjoyable, to, to the series, which... Like I said, some of the best storytelling they've done in Star Wars, period. Which is why I say, you want to see a great Star Wars movie, give Dave Filoni the director's chair. Yeah, he messed up, and yeah, it was not the greatest thing with you know the the Clone Wars movie. But I've said for, or to a lot of people with the early seasons of Clone Wars, it's not the writing when some of the dialogue isn't the best, but they were learning on the go. Yeah. You know, they weren't seasoned veterans and knowledgeable and, and aces at everything. They were learning as they went. But now they've cut their teeth and they're definitely yeah. Yeah. showing improvement. I oh, mean, God, yeah. I mean, you just take a look at, like, with The Mandalorian and mm-hmm. wasn't he connected with that? Yeah. Uh, he direct, he directed a couple episodes, if I'm not mistaken, at least two or three. Right. And look at how that has been a home run yeah. every episode. So yeah. To see him get back in that chair, I mean, it would be worthwhile because, I mean, now with the Rise of Skywalker over and done mm-hmm. with, it's a, it's a whole new galaxy. There's a film coming out in 2022 that we don't really know anything about. Just saying. Boba Fett. Could be. You uh, never know. We hope because that was the one thing that I'm still I'm still ticked off about that we didn't get retcon from Rise hey, of listen, Skywalker. Hey, listen, Boba Fett's in the Clone Wars. Admittedly, he's a bit of a whiny teenager, but, hey, he's in the series. He's in the series. It's only meant to bring him back because he'll get, you know, back to where he's prominent at as the baddest bounty hunter in all the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So. Anyway, so as we've now seen, the trailer is out for the new season coming out. Yeah. I mean, the series thus far, you've said, is a home run. And, and yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the trailer is insane because it opens up with uh, Darth Maul, who, spoiler alert, Darth Maul's back, uh, you know, doing a voiceover saying the galaxy will soon be remade and the Jedi and Republic will die. And it kind of lends one to think, does he know what Sidious's ultimate plan is? Does, does he know what's going on? You have to wonder. Mm-hmm. They never really dance around that too much but yeah. you have to wonder what was Darth Maul's true potential because we yeah. never got to see it in the movies well and it, we never really did and, and I remember I can't remember I want to say it was the th- episode three Revenge of the Sith novel where you know he's brought up and he's mentioned but he's kind of referred to you know 
is more of an animal than anything else. There was never any much real potential with him other than he was just something to be let loose and then kind of pulled back when you're done with him. Mm. You know, so it, you almost have to wonder, you know, yeah, the you know, the machinations and the plans and the, you know, the the webs were getting spun back when he was, you know, Sidious's apprentice, but it, and now that he, you know, he's still alive, you have to wonder, all right, how much of this does he really know? Yeah, because that's got to be a good question. Mm-hmm. At this stage, it's like now you can finally flesh his character out. Yeah. Which, I mean, the Clone Wars has done a great job this far. Oh, absolutely. You know, and then it cuts. We see uh, some shots of a burning Mandalore from the new season. Of course, Mandalore featured very prominently in a couple couple of seasons. Highly recommend you check out those arcs. Uh, you know, and then we see a group of Jedi standing around a hollow table with, like, a planet. And, and some they're analyzing some stuff. And you get Mace Windu saying, you know, his line from Revenge of the Sith. You know, I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. You know, and initially I thought at first viewing of this trial, I thought this was a scene right out of Revenge of the Sith. It's not because uh, we see standing around the table, you see uh, a couple of clones, uh, Aayla Sakura, Plo Koon, Mace Windu, Ki-Adi Mundi, Yoda, and then an interesting cl- connection to Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another uh, Jedi Master standing there by the name of Dippa Balda. I probably butchered that name. I apologize. Uh, standing, standing with one Caleb Doom and AKA Kanan Jarrus. Really? From Rebels. So don't imagine he's going to feature prominently, but I just, you know, he's around during this time. He's alive during this time. Fun little Easter egg, you know, for fans to go, oh, hey, there he is. Well, especially how Rebels has such a good fan base, yeah. too. I mean, it's just bringing everybody's Star Wars mm-hmm. together. So. Can't yeah, wrong with that. Now, uh, then the trailer cuts to a shot of Maul using the Force on a clone. You know, maybe this is how he's finding out about the chip with Order sixty six. Because as it explains in one, of, I won't spoil it uh, for those of you who might be going through the series. But you find out how Order sixty six happens and kind of what leads it leads it to it. Because I know it had been up in the air and there had been a couple explanations over the years in various comics and books, but this kind of sets it, okay, this is how it happens, and you got to kind of wonder, if, all right, is this how he's going to find out about it? Yeah. Uh, we then see a girl uh, ask Ahsoka, who, you know, this is a new character, not really sure who she is, uh, ask who would ever leave the Jedi Order. Uh, and th- it then t- cuts to Ahsoka standing with uh, clone Captain Rex, who is, you know... If you remember the one clone, uh, Cody, from Revenge of the Sith, who was talking to Obi-Wan for much of the film. Yeah. Cody to Obi-Wan is essentially what uh, Rex is to Anakin in the series. He's his right-hand guy. He's his, you know, you know, the guy in charge of his battalion, you know, so he's around, you know, he's very familiar with Anakin and Ahsoka, uh, you know, so you're talking, standing there with Rex and maybe she's saying this to him. Maybe she's saying it to this girl. Uh, she says uh, that the Jedi were trained to be peacekeepers of the peace, not soldiers. And, and that's something like I've been going through and watching the series again for probably the 15th time <laughs> that early on in the season, you can definitely see how much of Anakin and kind of his like rash rush to anger and rush to jump and, and get what needs to be done done and early in the season. You know, there's one point where she, there's one episode where she loses her lightsaber. You know, pickpocket gets it from her, okay. and, and she goes to confront the people, or like it's kind of like a A to B to C to D type of per thing. Where like, okay, this person had it, then this person had it, then this. You know, she's confronting one of these people, and she's got him using up on the scruff of his neck, using the force against the wall, and she's screaming at him. And you can definitely tell early on that, like how much of him is rubbing off on her. But as the seasons progress, and you know, you can see how much she's grown, and that this kind of lends to believe that, like, hey, she's kind of—I don't, I don't want to say woke, but she's kind of woken to like what's going on, and she's not exactly okay with it. 
All right. Uh, Rex then responds to her by saying the clones also have mixed feelings about the war because without it, they wouldn't exist at all. And that's very true. Yeah. That, I thought it was a very telling point. Yeah. Because they, they you know, it's it's been said in movies and video games and books and in, in shows that, you know, they were bred for one purpose. Yeah. War that, you know, it was even said by the Kaminoans in, in episode two that. You know, the, they're bred for one purpose. They're bred to fight. They're very loyal. They'll never question your your orders, and it's good to go. But you have them here now going, yeah, we're not exactly okay with this. No, and I thought, like I said, that was a very telling line that you never really think about, but it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true, because if there yeah. wasn't the battle and the war, there yeah. would be no need for them. Yeah. Uh, we then uh, cut back to Maul, and I think every line with Maul here is just like one big speech just kind yeah. of cut up because he says it's all part of the plan kind of confirming i think he totally knows about order 66 he knows what's going on he or... has to, like he has to just with how he's alluding to it yeah because it just the more it keeps going on it's like you know something uh-huh jar jar told you the <laughs> uh, jar jar unconfirmed for the series thank god uh we then see a new model uh, of anakin who looks exactly like he does in revenge of the sith i thought that was very interesting yeah i did too i thought it was very good telling. look good look uh anakin we then see anakin ignite his lightsaber against someone who should be dead and should have died at least twice in the series uh one admiral trench who you know tactician type character you know very smart for playing four-dimensional chess while you're playing chinese checkers type of deal you know maul then says everything is about to change uh, we then see Ahsoka standing on in the uh, hangar of a uh, battleship, s- starship, whatever it is, uh, staring at some clones, uh, her clone company, uh, which, uh, if I did my research right, is the 332nd Division. And if you notice, uh, if you pause it at that clip, all of the clone troopers don't have what you would consider normal coloring on the masks. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of like, you know designed after her to kind of go like all right hey we're with you and included in them and this is a very key fact included with them is captain rex so rex is with her because i really think if this is which is an interesting thing because we know spoiler alert rex survived order 66 he shows up in rebels Mm. which takes place you know in the midst of like solo and and rogue one and you know right up to a new hope and he shows up in season two so we know he survived but we don't know how you know, because Anakin's company, the 501st, was with him on Coruscant when he attacked the Jedi Temple. So it's kind of going, all right, how did Rex survive this? Mm-hmm. Very key fact, he's with Ahsoka. Wherever, cause I, and I'll get to it in a minute. I think uh, we're going to see Order 66 from Ahsoka's eyes in the, before the series is over. That would be pretty cool. And, I, and I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, we then see, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. We then cut back to some more shots of Mandalore and some Mandalorian troopers, uh, along with flying clone troopers, fighting against uh, Darth Maul's Death Watch Mandalorians, which, if you haven't seen that design of character, Google it. It is a really cool design. Yeah, that's a badass character. It's essentially, they're essentially uh, Mandalorians in the traditional Mandalorian armor, but painted with Darth Maul's kind of black and red coloring with the horns on top. It is amazing. Yeah, you know, shout out to anyone who cosplays as that because it always looks so cool. Challenges uh, thrown down, folks. Yeah, uh, you then see uh, now this is probably the most interesting, and I don't want to say polarizing, but it's going to be the most interesting shot of the entire se- uh, season. You see a shot of Anakin uh, talking to a hologram of Padme, mm. who is visibly pregnant. Uh, mm. Kind of wondering, okay, are they going to kind of? change things here and he's going to know then because if you remember the films he doesn't learn she's pregnant until he shows up on Coruscant in the middle of at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith 
to this point, he doesn't leave Coruscant once he gets back, you know, during the film of Revenge of the Sith. So I can't imagine this is, oh, some weird time hole, missing hours where he can go missing. If How dumb is he and how oblivious is he that, like, you know, you're talking to her and you're having a moment with her and she is visibly pregnant. The power of the dark side is too well, strong. Could be. You know, so I think that's going to be a very interesting uh, scene, I, I want to say. I, w- I wonder if that's a no prize, if I may quote the late Stan Lee. Mm, could be. That maybe somebody didn't realize that, and they're just yeah. like, well, it's already filmed. Let's see. If yeah, I mean, it. it'll be interesting to see nonetheless. Uh, you get some more action shots. Uh, then you cut to Maul saying, every choice made has led to this. And he's saying this as he's staring down Ahsoka. Uh, they both ignite their lightsabers to fight. And the interesting thing I should note with this, they didn't just animate Darth Maul and his fight scenes in this willy-nilly, well, what would he do? They brought in an action. Expert. I would say they even brought in the expert. Oh, they brought in Ray Park, who played Yo. who played Darth Maul in Episode One, uh, the Phantom Menace. All the fight scenes were him. No stunt double. Yeah, right, right, right. yeah, yeah. Well, look up the video of him just doing the action scenes. Like oh, he'll fucking crazy. He'll do him in the middle of cons. Like yeah. somebody hands him a double bladed lightsaber. He'll just start doing stuff. And then he also uh, didn't voice the. He voiced him in. I believe he voiced him in Phantom Menace. Uh, he also played the character in uh, Solo, didn't voice him, but he was him in Solo. Mm. So they brought in Ray Park, a.k.a. Darth Maul himself, to do some motion capture for this season. So when you see Darth Maul in this season, know that is Ray Park playing him. That's so cool. Oh, like, I, I, like, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big mark for him. Like, yeah. I, I, for the work that he did, and he, like mm-hmm. I say, a lot of people don't appreciate that because yeah. of how Darth Maul got punked out. Yeah. Everything he's done for like those fight scenes has just been mm-hmm. incredible. Uh, The end shot is then you see Ahsoka sitting on a table on presumably a a Republic starship uh, with her lightsabers uh, uh, ignited. And on the ground crumpled beneath her, uh, beneath the table is uh, Captain Rex. Uh, I am going to say right now that this is Order 66. Okay. That Rex was affected by Order 66, but she, you know, force maybe force pushed him, you know, knocked his, you know, knocked the 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 spell if you will mm-hmm. out of him and, and knocked him loose of it and you know she's standing there ignited lightsabers because she's got got lord knows how many clone troopers bearing down on her ready to fight because there have been some hints that about this incident with the uh, ahsoka novel you know I, I won't go into it because i could possibly be spoiling the, the, the some of the episodes but i really believe that we're going to see Revenge, or excuse me, Order sixty six from Ahsoka's eyes because that was the one thing I can't remember if I if Dave Filoni said it in an interview or maybe one of the producers said it in in, in an interview that you know once after it was either after the fifth season or before the or after the revive, revival for season six that had the show kept going it would have either a backed into Revenge of the Sith or even gone past Revenge of the Sith and I think this just lends credence to we're gonna see. Order 66 and some of the stuff from Revenge of the Sith, which is going to be very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it definitely there's so many ways they can go with it. Mm-hmm. And especially with them tying in Order 66. And if they do it from Ahsoka's eyes, because Ahsoka has been heavily rumored to be introduced in the movies. Yeah. And what, Rosario Dawson has been heavily rumored? Yeah, I mean, if they if they decide to go with her, you know, the, depending on the timeline they want to go with her, or that has been speculated and rumored to be introducing Ahsoka, Rosario Dawson is the right age. Yeah, I and I think that's perfect casting. I just hope they, uh, I don't know if he's going to show up in this season, but I hope uh, Hondo Onaka uh, is going to show up in this season. Uh, new character they introduced in season one of the Clone Wars, voiced by the amazing Jim Cummings. Uh, look up some of the best of Hondo Onaka scenes, or just watch the series. He's one of the best characters they've ever introduced in Star Wars. Right on. So that being said, Pad, 
overall take? Uh, cannot wait. Absolutely excited for this. I'm glad that it's going to be a uh, weekly release, kind of like with The Mandalorian, because that's how Disney Plus is going to do things. Because I remember when uh, Season 6 of Clone Wars came out on Netflix, because Netflix gave them the platform to release it. I probably binged the entire season in a day. And and I'm glad that we're going to get this kind of weekly release that I can watch it, digest it, watch it a couple times, and kind of pick up on all the little details and not get it all done and over with in one day. Because especially with how the Clone Wars is going to do their final season, mm-hmm. you get the final send-off. This yeah. is going to lead right into, like you talked about, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. For that piece of Star Wars history, they got to nail it. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they've taken all the right steps. Right, and, and you got to remember, the, the series director, supervising director, executive producer, whatever you want, is Dave Filoni who learned from George Lucas. Like, George Lucas produced and was very heavily involved in the first, you know, six, even this seventh season, you know, with with what went on. George was very heavily involved. Yeah. And like I said, he learned from the master. So, I mean, what else can you get for a cosign? I don't know. So, that being said, February 21st, Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Set your DVRs or however you can set your recordings on there. I, I haven't messed around with those the yeah. yet to get it. But just make note, February 21st, yep. Disney Plus, Star Wars, The Clone Saga. Clone Wars. Clone Wars. God, I was Clone Saga. I, I think I'm ruined for life when I hear clone uh, because I think Marvel. and I Oh, uh, okay. Yes, because unfortunately the egregious storyline. Egregious storyline with Ben Riley and Peter Parker, but I'll digress. But The Clone Wars will definitely cheer me up. Because you sold me on this. I got, I'm going to be marking this down on my calendar. Yeah. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. Clone Wars, Disney Plus, Star Wars. What's your feeling? Are you excited or are you not? We want to have that conversation. And, and quickly before we end, if you're thinking about watching the show, uh, I know there's a chronological or, you know, because the episodes jump around in the timeline a little bit. Make it easy for yourself. Watch the movie because that came out first. And then just watch the series in order. Just make it easy for yourself. There you go. Pat's telling you. Make it so. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. These days, comic book stories are more mainstream than ever. Unfortunately, not everybody has the means to be able to consume all of this greatness. Well, if you were to join me, Brian Wayne, on the Cheers to Comics podcast, I will help guide you through the rabbit hole that is comic books. Whether you're a brand new reader that just walked out of the latest blockbuster summer Marvel movie event and just have to know the source material, or you're an old dog and just want to get a different perspective from another reader, this is the podcast for you. And when I say comic book podcast, this is a comic book podcast. No filler material. I save all of the the movie talk and all of the stuff outside of the illustrated written world of comic books for all of the other podcasts out there. This is for comic book junkies and aspiring comic book junkies only. So, Tune in with me, Brian Wayne, three times a week. We'll be going over dozens and dozens of books in an overviewed fashion, not necessarily a review manner. But beyond that, I hype you up every week on the books coming out on the the next week coming, as well as a bonus episode. And that could be anything from me dedicating an entire episode to uh, a single story arc, or potentially even a kick-ass interview with a bad-ass comic book creator. So if any or all of that tickles your little fancies, join me, Brian Wayne, and the rest of Slurred Nation. 
information on the Cheers to Comic podcast as I kick back drinks and drop all types of comic book knowledge. Cheers. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast pad. Kick us off with those one shots. Got a couple things to talk about. First, interestingly enough, uh, Netflix is getting a Pokemon movie. Now, oh. it's not a new movie or nothing really, you know, groundbreaking, although a little groundbreaking. Uh, they are getting uh, Pokemon, the first movie remake. Uh, of course, the original movie, which came back, the remake of the 1998 film, uh, which follows uh, Ash and Friends as they get wrapped up in a legendary Pokemon's quest for revenge. Of course, this is the movie that introduced fully Mewtwo, you know, one of the most powerful Pokemon in existence. I saw the original movie in theaters when it came out so and i gotta say it's like new 3d cgi animation it looks really weird compared to what i'm used to seeing you know if you see you know i go down the rabbit hole of facebook videos and inevitably one of those clips might pop up it looks very different but i might have to give it a watch just because i know the story and i'm familiar with it you know so it's going to be definitely something interesting to see and of course pokemon lasting god 20 some odd years is still astounding to me uh, also, interestingly enough, as we wait for uh, season two of The Witcher to come out, we are Netflix has ordered a Witcher anime. Uh, really? Yeah, it's going to be produced by the legendary animation house uh, studio Mir. Of course, this is following the success of the live action series, and while well, the live action series isn't coming back until next year, uh, so they haven't released too many details about the show yet. But a press release states that the anime will uh, explore a powerful new threat facing the continent. Uh, it also says The Witcher: Nightmare of the Wolf will expand the world of Netflix's live action show. Uh, it's unclear if the two are going to work, you know, in canon with each other or how this is going to, you know, exactly work. Uh, casting announcements haven't been made yet because I can't. As cool as it would be to get, you know, the cast of that show for voiceovers for this, they're, you know, Henry Cavill and all the folks on that show, a little busy, mm. you know. So it'll definitely be something interesting to see. You know, it's fun. Though, it's funny though. Uh, the showrunner uh, Lauren Hiss Hissrich uh, tweeted, "She's known about the anime for like a year or more than a year, and she had to sit on it." So talk about keeping. Oh, that. that's crazy. Yeah, I can't imagine. You know, it's kind of like with uh, Ewan McGregor keeping the Obi Wan sh- uh, show a secret for like five years. I can't imagine sitting on something for that long you know so interestingly enough though uh the team working on nightmare of the wolf uh it, it includes a witcher produce some of the witcher producers and uh if studio mir is best known for its work on the popular uh, and beloved animated series like the legend of Korra, mm-hmm. uh the sequel of course to avatar the last airbender and netflix's voltron legendary defender you got me there so definitely it's a very interesting thing to come out because left field who that you know what saw that coming also today is a good day for me because the very first Kingdom Hearts 3 DLC has come out today. As oh, we boy. Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind. Uh, it should be downloaded to my PlayStation by now. Uh, because uh, Xbox, interestingly enough, isn't getting it for like another month. Why, I don't know. But that's the case. That's random. Yeah, a little random. Uh, can't wait to dig into it. My my understanding is if you were looking, if you have played the game and you found it lacking in difficulty or anything challenging, from what I've read online, your requests have been met because there are folks who are I know and have seen gameplay of online uh, that are very good at the game. They're very experienced and, and well-versed in some of the good stuff. 
they're playing it on the hard mode, which is the hardest mode, which is called critical mode. Uh, and they have the best armor and best weapons and best this and that in the game. They're getting their asses handed to them. Really? There's there's a set of boss fights, you know, where it, it's, uh, you know, the, some of the organization members. It's kind of like with, back with Kingdom Hearts 2 had their final mix re-release. Uh, you could go back and fight some of the uh, organization members in their quote-unquote data form, a.k.a. You know, simulation. It's that. It's that again, but like ramped up to a hundred. Okay. So it, it's it's absolutely kicking people's butts. So I can't wait to dig into it, dig into the DLC, and, and really see what it's about. Yeah, I mean, Kingdom Hearts is your game. Uh huh. So I I knew when this came out. That's why we're doing kind of a little shorter episode today because Pat is like Kingdom Hearts came out. Yep. We got a lot to cover, so we'll just jump right into it. And, I mean, honestly, we had a lot for one-shots this yeah. week because, I mean, there's some good stories going out. Uh, we didn't jump into the Birds of Prey mm-hmm. trailer, but uh, that one I think we're just going to do in the movie preview when uh, okay. when that comes out for the week because it, it is what it is. It wasn't bad. didn't blow me away by any means. Right. I mean, you at this point, you know what you're going to get, and you're either sold on it or you're not. Right. So we'll kind of deep dive into that when we do our official Birds of Prey preview. Uh, for me, though, let's see. We had Star Trek uh, Picard is yep. coming out on CBS All Access. That's interestingly enough, uh, you know, it's going to have a second season. We already know that. Uh, Patrick Stewart went on The View uh, on, what is it, ABC yep. to promote the show. And, of course, uh, that uh, The View has Whoopi Goldberg uh, on that show who was on Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg has an open invitation from both uh, Patrick Stewart and the showrunners and producers and all that to appear in season two as as her character from uh star trek the next generation which you get her on that show you might sell me on it i mean i'm already very tempted to watch the series anyway because i love the next generation but you bring in Whoopi goldberg you might push me over the edge yeah i'm very intrigued by this yeah i mean the trailers have looked good yeah i'll be honest like i i'm i don't i'm not a subscriber to all access no neither am i but man it's giving me the nostalgia feels yeah like uh like i might have to but i'm like looking at my my streaming bill and i'm like mm-hmm. uh, can, can i take the hit can yeah I, can i do it but uh we'll have to see but i i will say from what we've seen thus far uh it's been looking good anybody in the odph society wants to chime in use the hashtag odph and let us know what you think of it mm-hmm. i'm definitely interested in everybody's opinion about this uh, and also speaking about Patrick Stewart, he has officially turned down coming back as Professor X. Well, for the MCU. Which makes sense. It makes sense. Like yeah. I, I don't think it was uh, like a super surprise to anybody. No, no. I think for how he left as Logan, like how are you going to top that? Well, and I feel like you know it sounds like Marvel reached out to him and see if he wanted to do it. Which you got to do your due diligence. Oh I mean, yeah. I, I, you know if if you're a betting man, I wouldn't put the bet on him coming back before the story came out but you gotta at least try because you want to say all right hey we at least tried instead of going oh you know we never did try to bring him back right and i mean it it was smart on both sides i mean marvel sticking out the olive branch and and patrick seward doesn't want to do at this stage i don't blame him no i'm not i I don't think the swan song with logan is absolutely perfect for him how are you gonna top that you're not you're you're not and especially the mcu is going to go into a different direction i just don't like the articles that are saying you know professor x is not coming back to x-men all right stop stop yeah no stop yeah you know Patrick Stewart isn't coming back to X-Men. Professor X will absolutely be an X-Men. Yeah, hell yeah, he's going to be an X-Men. There's no chance that they're not going to have a Professor X. Setting up setting up the X-Men or having the X-Men without Patrick Stewart is like trying to start the Fantastic Four without Reed Richards. Yeah. It's, it just don't work. It's not going to happen. Like, I think the only thing we might see, and I know we're jumping the gun way ahead of time here, you're, we're going to see a different version of the X Men. Oh well, yeah, yeah, like something yeah. like it's it's going to be changed. For wait, the MCU. you mean you meant wait? You mean Sophie Turner is not going to be Jean Grey in the MCU? 
Uh, probably not at oh. this stage. I have no idea about casting. I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole. The only thing I will say X-related that might happen is Hugh Jackman will appear in Deadpool 3. Yeah. I, as old man Logan. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with this. I, I, well, here's a challenge. Find me a person who's not. Yeah. Yeah. Like I That's said, a beggar challenge. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Fox. Let's just be angry. Be angry and bitter. Yeah. Uh, but honestly... That's pretty much the big news for the movies this week. Yeah. I, there wasn't. I mean, Bloodshot got announced their official release date of March thirteenth. Yeah. So Vin Diesel doing Vin Diesel things. I'll be there open tonight. I, we'll see who else is with me. Yeah. Uh, but it, the poster looked cool. I'm I'm just hoping they kind of follow the comics a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, it could be a make or break thing for Valiant. Yeah. I, I'm hoping they succeed. I do like the the, the universe. I'm more of like the '90s universe though. Like the recent stuff is kind of hit and miss with me in some degrees. Sure. But I do like the old school '90s. Sure. Uh, Valiant when they had Magnus and Solar under the roof. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Comic book wise, there is a lot at the stores this week. Pat. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's kick it off DC style. Sure. Wonder Woman 750. Ooh, congratulations. So congratulations. I mean, this is a year, the past two years now that we could say we've had Action Comics 1,000, mm-hmm. Detective Comics 1,000, yep. Wonder Woman 750. I know Flash 750, I believe, yep. is coming. Soon. So, I mean, all the legacy DC heroes are, are going to be there. And for Wonder Woman. They're old. Yeah, they're old, but they still kick ass. Yep. And that's the thing. And to see Wonder Woman get their yeah. uh, first female superhero to reach 750 issues. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome to see. And going into the rest of DC, James Tinian's run on Batman continues. They are talking about a possible, quote unquote, final battle with the Joker coming up. I believe that when I say it. Well, the only thing that I think they're heavily rumored, if you read the last issue, is way back when the Joker said he knew Batman's secret identity. Right. I believe you can actually tie this back into the Scott Snyder run. Okay. That now he's apparently decided to do something with it. Which makes sense. Which before he hadn't because he was like, it's too much fun and, you know, Joker reasons. So now he's dabbling on that, and I know that Tinian is talking about doing the Joker War this summer. Mm. What is going to come from that? I don't know, but since he's taken over the book, it's been solid. It's a different feel than what Tom King did. So I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, Batman Curse of the White Knight is also out, too. I mean, everything Sean Murphy's doing with that mm-hmm. universe is, is yeah. completely cool. And, I mean, obviously, there is just so much going on DC-wise. They have a lot of great books coming so out. So they fall out of Superman revealing his identity. Yeah. I which, gonna... I mean, I read the issue. All I'm going to say, because I don't want to spoil it for folks, everyone's way too okay with this. Like, the, it seems like the only people who aren't okay with this are the Daily Planet's lawyers, because at one point in the issue, they give Perry White what would be, what would have, what they think would happen. And I can't remember if it's the lawyers or the insurance agents, because the insurance agents are there too for obvious reasons. Yeah. They give Perry White a, a rendition of what the Daily Planet would look like now that uh, the world knows Superman's uh, real identity secret identity you know so everyone is just way too okay with this i'm, I'm kind of waiting for like the floor to fall out because you know you can definitely feel like you tell that clark is you know liberated that he doesn't have to hide anymore and this and that but just you know i'm kind of you know i'm kind of waiting for the floor to fall out something's gonna happen something has to happen you can't do that big of a reveal and everybody go yeah i yeah. mean i understand it's dc it's, yeah but i'm also waiting for the inevitable like retcon where this gets undone oh you know that's coming. that's common probably around the 5g uh, crisis is coming, mm. uh, which I don't want to go into spoiler territory from Doomsday Clock. You'll have to just read Doomsday Clock 12 and, and figure that out. That was not the big reveal that I was talking with Brian from Cheers the Comics about, too, as well. Okay. The throwaway line, you know what it is. We're not saying it on air. 
because I want to see if that's actually going to happen. That has me super interested. Yeah. Uh, flipping the coin to Marvel, Guardians of the Galaxy one is out. The one from Al Ewing taking over the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, heard really good things. Haven't got a chance to pick it up yet. And I am very excited to see where this book is going. Donnie yeah. Cates on Thor has gone in a very, very unique direction. Yeah. I was not expecting to see that when I uh, was picking up the first issue, so we'll have to see. Amazing Spider-Man 38 is out as well. Nick Spencer's run on there has been pretty good for me, so I'm pretty sold with that. Marauders, number six is out there with one of the most coolest covers I've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nimrod apparently has now made his way back to the current timeline. And Interesting. From, from what it looks like to me. I um, mean, It could be somebody else, though, too. Like for some reason, I'm I'm thinking it could be uh, the executioner because mm-hmm. uh, the facial mask is a little different. So it could be, but like I say, from a distance, it looked like Nimrod's face to a degree. But chances are, it's probably the executioner. Yeah. Which, if you know your '90s uh, Marvel X Men line, yeah, kind of a little. Um, I don't want to say polarizing. I think that's too too strong of a description. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very unique look. Yeah, uh, for who it could be, and to close out, I believe Excalibur is out as well this month, this week too. So a lot of great stuff to pick up at your comic book shops. So go down and see Justin at Sound Go Round. Go listen to Brian on Cheers to Comics. He's breaking down everything going on, and just get down and support your local comic shops because if without them, we have a lot less to talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's a very cool place to go hang out and meet some people and celebrate your fandom. That being said, the music you heard on this episode is that of Shout at the Robots. They are an amazing band. You need to find out about them. You need to download their music. You need to go see them live. Where do you find that information out? OchoDuroParleyHour.com slash music. We have links to all their social media accounts, their Bandcamp page. We have links to Floodlands, who you hear on the show all the time. Jimmy Gazdick is rumored to be coming back on the show sooner than later. We don't have a timetable, but we're getting closer. And, you know, when Jimmy comes on, that's ratings galore. And rumor has he might be bringing the band with him. I don't know. You have to stay tuned to hear. We also have on there Walking Distance. They're a great band from the 607. Honker is on there. Fair City Fire, our friends from Austin, Texas, who are doing big things down in the Lone Star State. How do you find out about that? Once again, I repeat, OchoDuroParleyHour.com slash music. On OchoDuroParleyHour.com, you can also see Parlay Points, the complimentary blogs to the ODPH podcast. You can also see the ODPH directory where we have our friends of the show, Off the Cuff Gaming, which, like I said, you need to sub to that YouTube page. Get on it. Excite Wrestling is on there. They have a big show coming up in February. And our fellow hashtag 607 podcast brothers over at Three Fat Nerds. Rich was just on the sports edition. Downloads have been crazy about that. So if you want to talk a little wrestling, that's going on during that show. We're also talking NFL. We're talking UFC. So definitely go through the ODPH catalog to hear that. But if you want to hear more from Rich and Ron and hashtag challenge accepted, hashtag big natty cool, hashtag the guy that does the Patreon show I can't talk about because it's too hot for behind, not behind a paywall. Love is scary. Diesel. All that information you can find out on 8122productions.com, and you can find out about their Patreon, which, like I say, I'd love to talk about that show. I really would. Pad, you know I want to talk about that. Yep. And can I? Nope. Why? Because uh, we're not behind a paywall. Exactly. Uh, we've been told by a couple of providers we are not allowed to talk about it. So if you want to find out about it, it's a dollar entry to get on them. Go support those guys. They're doing big things. Shout out to Horizon 607 as well, Mike C., is doing his thing with a rich over there. They're talking everything horror. So you can find out about that on ochodoroparlayar.com along with 
our fellow hashtag podcasts of hashtag next wave hashtag pod nation the pod chaser lists are right on the front page so definitely go and check that out that's all i got for this week so for the one and only padawan j thank you thank you and go watch clone wars i'm your host ken M. thank you as always for listening to the odph podcast better known as the ocho duro parlay hour see you next time (laughs) 